This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 14. You're listening to the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha. The show for internet entrepreneurs who want to accelerate their progress and expand their vision by standing on the shoulders of giants. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Ballers Circle. Today, I'm welcoming Timothy Moser into the Ballers Circle. Timothy is the owner of MasterofMemory.com. He's the host of the Master of Memory Daily Podcast, where he answers questions from his audience and shares tactics for mastering memory and accelerated learning. He is currently running the Accelerated Spanish Course podcast, and he's writing a book as well. I'm happy to have Timothy on the show to talk about his podcast, his book, his course, and all the great things that he has learned and all the things that he wants to share with the Baller Circle so they can benefit. Timothy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm fantastic. Timothy, I, uh, you know, learning Spanish is one of those things that I've always struggled with myself. I took Spanish classes in high school and in college, and I seem to always get to a point where I learn a little bit, and then I backslide, and I, I just never really get to a point where I can, uh, I can become uh, as, as proficient in the language as I'd like to. Um, and, and one thing that I'm interested to know from you is, have you always been really good with language and learning or, or is this a skill you had to pick up later on in your life? You know, I think I was more in sort of your position starting out. So I grew up with actually several brothers and a couple of my brothers always seemed to be naturally better at memorizing thing than stuff than I was. So like they would quote a movie from five years ago that they saw one time and they'd get it perfect or they'd remember some random fact that I could never remember. And so for me, it was kind of like when you're running a business or something like that. It's like somebody else out there or everybody else out there has the magic formula or this inherent skill that I don't have. But it was when I started working on it on memorization and eventually language learning myself that I realized that there are some things that really anybody can learn uh, and pretty much any skill, particularly with learning, uh, it, it's really something that's acquired, not necessarily something that you're born with if you know how to train it. So that's how I ended up starting my business was just it was I was always looking up information on how to remember things better and how to learn things more quickly. And I saw that there was no real good center online for how to, let's say, how to memorize stuff or how to remember facts and so on. And so I just decided to start that website, and that's where Master of Memory came from. Okay, awesome. I, I've noticed on your sites that you you focus a lot on uh, using mnemonics mm-hmm. to uh, to help people memorize things. Um, and I remember uh, th- there was one there was one blog post that I read that was talking about um, memorizing scripture verses. Yeah, and uh, I you know I, I I remember growing up when I would go to church and they would have like different sets of scriptures that we had to remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, first it was like one line that I would I would try to struggle to remember. And then, you know, each week we'd have to remember more and more and more. And I remember after about a year of doing this, I got to a point where I could memorize an entire page of scripture uh, right. in you know a matter of minutes where the first time I remember it took me about a day to remember that one line. Mm-hmm. Is is memory something that um, you can, I guess, exercise your way into? Is it like a, any other muscle that the more you work it, the better it gets? It is sort of like a muscle, but it's not exactly. So let's say, uh, let's say it's 
like playing the piano. Let's say that you're wanting to memorize a piano piece. You'll get better at that from doing it a lot, but you won't get better at it by just sitting in front of a keyboard and fiddling around if you don't know what you're doing. So people who are really good at memorizing are not just practicing regularly, they're practicing in very specific ways. Now you mentioned mnemonics, which is the idea of taking things that are not memorable and turning them into things that are memorable. And I, it's kind of funny that you bring up you know, the scripture memory thing because that was the first way that I pre-launched my website. When I started Master of Memory, I created this scripture memory course and I got just a hundred random people into a list to pre-launch the website and then I opened it up with this whole course for memorizing the book of James. So that's something that a lot of people are into and something that a lot of people want to memorize and we use mnemonics for that. We use the idea of you know, not just trying to memorize something by repeating it, but also using little anchors and little visual cues to make it easier to remember things because you're not just pounding names and numbers into your head. You're actually using things that we naturally find memorable. Okay. So with, with I mean, picking a mnemonic that's going to particularly work for you, um, what, what, what sort of advice do you have for people uh, in selecting a mnemonic and how do you how do you develop that so mnemonics tend to be things that we naturally find memorable and for people who are listening and wanting to remember things just think back in your own life to the things that you can naturally remember now normally those will be big events how you felt on a certain day more than anything really where you were if you have a significant memory you can generally remember where you were when that happened like let's say you're in business and you made your first dollar online or whatever, you can probably remember exactly where you were when that happened and then possibly what you did after that, but mostly it's in that moment. And we use that when we're memorizing things to try to bring together things that we don't find memorable, but then put them in a location. So all you have to do is remember the location, the place where you've placed that memory, and you'll remember where it is. Kind of like you won't lose your keys if you put them where they belong because you just think of the location and you know where they are. Okay. So as related to your, your accelerated Spanish course, um, how does that work with learning a language? Is it, is it the same sort of tactics or is, is it a little bit different when it comes to language? It's, it's similar, but it's, uh, it's interesting because a language, you can't just memorize information and learn a language. It really, you have to change the way that you think fundamentally. You're, we, I guess people who are, you know, natural English speakers or who are raised speaking English, we just think in English. We don't just think about this fact a lot. But naturally, when we think a thought, it's actually an English thought that we're thinking. So to speak Spanish effectively, you kind of have to change the way that you think. Hmm. Now, we are using mnemonics to memorize all of the words that we need to think in Spanish. But really, the principle that was kind of violated when most of us went through high school Spanish or college Spanish is we weren't really taught to think in Spanish and we were taught maybe lots of vocabulary and grammar and stuff but we didn't really apply it that much so what I like to do when talking about languages is I like to go with the most used words in the language maybe the top 10 words and internalize those before even learning any long lists of vocabulary or anything like that just trying to use the most frequent words the most effectively before getting any further. Okay. And how, how do you identify those most frequent words? Well, fortunately, with the Internet, we're able to find those pretty easily. If you just <laughs> search for 
frequency vocabulary Spanish or frequency vocabulary French or any other language, generally the Wiktionary lists are a really good resource because they just compile data from subtitles, which is a pretty good indication of how people actually speak, and they just float the most common words to the top for you. Okay. Um, I, I remember, uh, so when I was in graduate school, I spent uh, six months in Taiwan, and I was learning Mandarin when I was there, and uh, one of the... Uh, I guess easiest things that I used was I had to had to eat every day, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I focused on uh, vocabulary that was related to food uh, because I knew that it was something that I was gonna you know it was I guess the biggest motivator for me at the in of the course. moment. We like to learn the things we love, don't we? Right. Um, so does 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 the motivation for a certain topic does that play into uh, I guess how to, a good way to learn a language or something to focus on in the beginning? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And for me, the big thing is what is your primary motivation for learning the language in the long term, not just the, the short term? So, for example, a lot of our students are people who have a spouse whose first language is Spanish or have family. There, there are lots of Hispanic people who were raised not to speak Spanish and they want to go back to that heritage and speak with their grandparents or whatever. And that is often the most effective motivator, actually. And so I like that kind of long-term motivation. As far as short-term motivation goes, sometimes it can be a good thing if you're in a Spanish-speaking country or um, you know, in, in high-pressure situations where you need to use it. But actually, we found most effective that you try not to get distracted with too many things like ordering food or asking where the bathroom is or whatever, which can be helpful in the short term, but actually to start by stepping back and working exclusively on the long-term stuff, the stuff that gets you thinking in the structures and grammar of the language before you get into that vocabulary, and then all of that stuff falls into place very easily. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So what was the, uh, the, the, the first thing, if you can remember, um, that you used, uh, I guess, when you really discovered the power of, of mnemonics? Yeah. So one of the first things was I started developing a number system because numbers, uh, it's like, you know, talk about things that people don't naturally find memorable and numbers pretty much float to the top of the list. We all have to remember numbers for one thing or another. And numbers are just so abstract that we don't really think about them or our brains just are not programmed to remember numbers. It's pretty much that simple. But if you associate all of the numbers from zero to 99 with some other object, you can suddenly, uh, you can just focus on remembering those objects instead of the numbers. Like for me, 25 is a nail and 50 is a lace doily and, you know, little random objects like that. But I have those objects and those numbers so tightly linked that I can remember long strings of digits or more importantly, important numbers for anything that I want to remember. So that was, that was one of the first things. And we use that for example, for memorizing scripture references and things like that. Okay. Huh. Interesting. I like that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your business. So at what point did you realize that uh, using accelerated learning and specifically uh, in the Spanish market, did you realize that you could make this into a business? Yeah, I, uh, I kind of thought of it as this idea that because I, I had a different internet presence at the time that isn't really there anymore. I had a productivity podcast. And I kind of went, well, what if I just started a website where I post stuff about memorization and then maybe put some ads on there or whatever. But 
that actually never really happened. What happened was I thought that I would just create a Spanish course, even though I wasn't really speaking Spanish yet. I thought I'd just bring some other people in, hire some Spanish speakers to teach us, and then get us together and eventually make a course where I would be paying the Spanish speakers, but my students would be paying me, and I'd be making the profit. That was actually a very long and gradual process. So there was no actual specific moment. You know, a lot of people will talk about the moment when you made the first dollar online. But for me, that moment happened when I was just, I invited some other people to participate with me in this Spanish challenge. I asked them to pay me, but I ended up paying the coach more than they paid me. So it's hard for me. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. In fact, I did that for a while. You know, I, I spent, uh, I spent a long time. My timeline was sort of about two years before I could sell my coaching course at a significant profit. I just spent the whole time refining it, charging more, doubling my prices, but then increasing the features like getting better coaches, getting uh, giving them custom materials and stuff like that. So the answer to your question is just basically it was a long and gradual process where I realized wow, this is actually a pretty big thing. The Spanish market is huge and the results that we're getting for the students are so are causing such an impression on other people that I'm pretty much stuck in this thing and now it's my primary thing. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So that I'm, I'm, that's interesting that the pricing piece kind of didn't necessarily work out as you expected. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, how did you how did you decide to turn the business around and how did you get to a point where, you know, I guess for you economically, it made sense? Yeah, good question. So the whole time I was thinking long game, I wasn't thinking I need to make a profit on this really quickly because to be fair, I did have another kind of side job that I have going on and I've always been living on my basically my day job, which I made into a remote job so I can do that in not too much time. I just still spend most of my focus on master of memory. So what was going on was I was living on something else, but I was also trying to turn this into a good machine. But when I say long game, I mean that I wanted nothing less than the best testimonials that any Spanish student has ever left. And this is a recommendation for anybody who has a business. You want to create a business where you're getting better results than anybody else is getting Otherwise, what's the point of your business? Just send them to someone who's doing a better job than you. If you're not doing the best job in the world at specifically what you're doing or the problem that you're solving, then why are you even there? I mean, do it the best or send them to the best or you're doing them a disservice. That sounds a little negative, but that's always the, the perspective that I've held. And so what that means is I continued to charge only what I was paying my coaches for one or two years until I was so confident in it and I was getting testimonials in Spanish and I was getting people, you know, telling me that they'd hung out on the weekend with their Spanish speaking friends and not had to speak in English and all of this stuff that I was ready to charge the prices that I do and make the kinds of profits that I do. Okay. So how do you, how do you, uh, one, find out, I guess, if you are the best And if you realize that you're not, how do you get your skill level up to a point where you can become the best? Yeah, that's hard. And it's individual to whatever problem you're solving. I mean, I think that the main thing is really just make sure that you're solving a problem that really needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. If you want to make money, then you really need to be solving people's problems. 
And generally, it's best if you're solving problems that people are willing to pay for. Language is definitely one of those. Productivity wasn't. So I wasn't the best productivity podcaster way back when I had Ace Productivity. I wasn't the best blogger. I wasn't the best podcaster, really, to be honest. And so it just ended up not going anywhere, and I closed it down. But at the same time, I found other problems that I knew I could solve, and I spent time trying to solve those problems the best way possible. Oh, and another, another thought on that is that often it's best, you're actually the best teacher if you teach something very shortly after you learned it. Now, it, de- it does depend on your skills as a teacher, and, but th- a lot of that is really how well you can relate to the people you're teaching. So I taught Spanish within two years after I became fluent myself and moved to Argentina. And so that, I think, was a big helper to me. So I don't really mean to discourage anyone. You don't have to have 10 years of experience in something before you can start teaching it. But you do have to be teaching it the most effective way possible at the price point or solving the problem in the best way possible for your customers. Right. Okay. So I, I like the fact that you've, you know, you've pivoted through different business ideas and kind of tested things out, figured out what works for you and what doesn't. Um, what, I guess what advice would you have for someone else who is, say, they're working on a project, it's not really working out? How do you differentiate between the moment in which you've given it, a, you know, I guess enough of a try and it's time to pivot versus a moment where you just need to push through and keep going? Oh, I don't know the answer to that question, but that's <laughs> one that I'm always trying to solve. I, because to be honest, like when I started teaching Spanish and doing Master of Memory, I wanted to, my original idea was to do a new language every year. I was going to do Spanish the first year, Mandarin the second year, and then maybe Arabic the third year. But reality set in, and I just went, you know what? I haven't perfected this Spanish thing. I'm not getting as many students as I want, or I'm not getting the results that I want. I have to keep pushing through this and just keep focusing on this because, frankly, that's where the money is right now and it just makes sense. So I really think that at every moment you have to be willing to to change your perspective based on your long-term goals, not on, I don't know, I used to set like these three-month goals or these one-year goals or whatever. But at this point, I just pretty much decide what I'm focusing on for a while, and I focus on that until it's done. Okay. So with, with all the pivots and you know, you, you're still working on growing your business, did you ever get to a point where you wanted to quit, where you just thought, you know, maybe I should try a different industry altogether? No, not really. I, uh, because the motivation, even though at some points I you know, would doubt myself, like, why, why is internet business seeming to work so well for other people and not so well for me and things like that. But ultimately, I always knew that what I was doing was right because I wasn't doing something that was similar to anyone else. I was providing a solution to a problem in a unique way. And so I did get frustrated a lot and I still do get frustrated if things aren't growing at the rate that I hope that they do or you know anything like that. Uh, you know, who isn't subject to a little bit of disappointment when a student drops out or somebody can't afford the course who you thought would join or anything like that. But I I don't think I ever really felt like quitting because I'm, as Michael O'Neill says, I'm totally unemployable. I could never, (laughs) could never get a day job. I would be a horrible employee. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good answer. I like that. Um, 
So, you know, you have the mindset of you can't quit. So how do you how do you keep yourself motivated when you get discouraged? Yeah, when I get discouraged, I guess my biggest my biggest tip is well, work on something that excite, excites me. If I can't get excited about anything, I'm just having a horrible day, then I basically just am honest with myself. I end the day and I just write down a few things that I want to get done the next day. So I'll just go, you know what? This day is not going so well. So that day didn't work. Tomorrow will. I might just write down two things that I'll do tomorrow, first thing, and just watch a classic film or whatever. That usually... <laughs> usually motivates me again. And when I wake up in the morning with a clear head and after a good night's sleep, then I'm totally fine for, you know, doing everything that I set out to do that day. So what motivates you to want to become an internet entrepreneur as opposed to, you know, having a day job or doing something that something else? It's almost just unquestionably what I am at this point. Uh, it's just, I feel like I can serve more people my ideas can go further by being online. And I've just always been driven to have my own business. When I was in college, I was making $45 an hour tutoring while all of my friends were doing, you know, 7 or $8 an hour on a minimum wage job. Nice. And I just, you know, I just found ways to make that happen. And so it's always been in me to do a business and to, I'm just really ambitious. I try to do something big always. But you know, I didn't get into the internet thing until about three or four years ago. And that was when I went, oh, wow, you know, I can reach people a lot faster by putting up a podcast or, you know, putting up YouTube videos that have high search results and things like that. So it's really just about the my own personality and my own ambition and ideas and the fact that the internet reaches everyone at this point. That's true. It does. Um, so in your learning process, did you ever hire a mentor or how, how did you, how did you really get your own, your, your internet marketing skills? Yeah, that's a good question. And a lot of people do have mentors for me. It's, I've had people around me the whole time. So early on, you know, the first, one of the first podcasts I listened to, like a lot of people was entrepreneur on fire. And so I met a lot of people through John Lee Dumas's fire nation elite group at this point. I'm friends with Pat Flynn and Chris Ducker, and so I get a lot of things from them. And also I have a mastermind group that I'm a part of that I that formed at Tropical Think Tank, which is Chris Ducker's event in the Philippines. So I have a lot of podcasters around me that help me out. Honestly, though, sometimes the best friends and mentors are the ones who aren't in internet business themselves. One of my closest friends is a high school principal, and he first turned me on to podcasts three or four years ago, and I'd never listened to podcasts before. And he uh, he's just been a great mentor in my life, Will Parker. He now podcasts, actually, uh, hmm. at Principal Matters, which is a school leader's podcast. But really, it's just having role models to look up to, getting really clear on what my own goals are. Pat Flynn is a great example to me because he puts family and value first and, and puts money after that. And then Will Parker also of Principal Matters. He's always been a great example in my life from a young age because he's such a family guy and he's so real. And so I think that not hiring a mentor so much as just having the right friends and looking up to people for the right reasons is where I've gotten my value. Hmm. Okay. I like that. That's a great answer. Uh, so what do you do for fun? For fun, I'm a bit of a film buff. My uh, So lots of classic films. Charade is one of my favorites. 
let's see. I actually in college, I was a music major and I did music composition. So I really like to compose music. But one of my favorite pastimes is since I move around a lot, I'm always in new cities or cities that really excite me. Like I spend a lot of time in New York and LA and Buenos Aires. And one of my favorite hobbies is just learning the city. So I actually, at one point when I had gotten lost twice in Buenos Aires, I sat down <laughs> and I spent two hours, actually I think one and a half hours, memorizing all the downtown streets. And I documented that on YouTube just to hold myself accountable. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of make cities a hobby. I just went to San Francisco for the first time a month or two ago, and I loved it. And I tried to learn the layout of the city pretty quickly. And I don't know, I just, I really enjoy learning places and learning new people as well. Huh, that's awesome. I So, you know, you're, you you get to move around a lot. You, you, you have a very mobile, uh, mobile business. So I guess... Uh, just thinking from a, a lifestyle perspective, what has being an uh, internet entrepreneur allowed you to the freedom to do that, uh, say, your friends that have day jobs don't have the freedom to do? Yeah, that's uh, really moving around is one of them. Honestly, I can't imagine myself again, uh, kind of like can't imagine myself being employed. I can't imagine tying myself down to a small town again. I was born and raised near Tulsa, Oklahoma. And to be honest, I like Tulsa a lot better than I did when I was a kid. I, I really like this city. But at the same time, I spend more time out of it. And I have so many friends in LA and San Diego and New York and San Francisco that there's almost no major city in this country or even in some of the major cities in Europe where I could go and not have friends because you know I have close friends in each of those cities to the point where you know I've stayed with, uh, I stayed with my friend Michael O'Neill in San Diego. I've stayed with my friend Ander in San Francisco. I've stayed, you know, just crashed at people's places in cities all around, and these people back me up. They just you know keep me encouraged, and all of that in ways that I feel like having a small town mindset wouldn't do. And so if I had a day job then I feel like I would be restricted sort of to my world there as opposed to being able to get out not just on Facebook and by email, but actually to hang out and, you know, break bread and drink wine and everything actually in person with people all around the world. There's just nothing quite like it. Hmm. That's awesome. So do you have any life hacks or uh, health hacks or anything like that that you use to keep yourself um, you know, in, in good shape or anything that you've, you've noticed has been, that's been really effective that you've implemented in your life? You know, I'm a big follower of Tim Ferriss. And so not only are a lot of the learning techniques that I've used in my Spanish course from him, a lot of the health practices that I use in my life come from Tim Ferriss as well. I'm a slow carber, so I follow that diet pretty religiously, except when I'm maybe in a city where I want to be a little more loose. But I just really like to keep myself healthy and know that my macronutrients are in balance and everything like that. Slow carb is really easy. And then also just as far as productivity goes, I'm a big believer in mornings. So each day, especially right now while I'm writing a book, I'm getting up at 6 a.m. every single day. I spend one hour doing a quick morning routine where that involves a little bit of exercise and eating a bit of protein or whatever. And then I spend three solid hours writing. 
or doing some sort of creative work that you know I just wouldn't be able to do mentally. I would if you have input like email or social media or anything first thing of the day, it kind of throws you off because you end up just having all these scattered thoughts and other people's priorities press in on you. But if you shut all that out for the first four hours and just do the creative work first, then it flows out of you. And I've been writing, I've surprised myself. I've been writing over 2,000 words a day wow. for the last couple of weeks, which I thought was unrealistic. But it's quite easy if you get up early enough, you have a clear mind and you do it. That's pretty awesome. So, so how much sleep do you typically get? I get eight hours. Okay. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not one of the people who sleeps four or five hours. I actually did try that, uh, that every man three sleep schedule you may have heard of. You know, the Uberman where you only sleep for 20 minutes every two hours, I think. But I did the Everyman three sleep schedule, which meant I slept for three hours at night and then had three naps during the day. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I tried that too. <laughs> oh, yeah? Didn't How'd work so go? well for me. <laughs> well, when, when did you uh, have to give up? Uh, I tried it for probably about six weeks. Okay. Um, and I got, and, and it was a struggle because, you know, initially I thought, um, I thought it was, it was working and then it just caught up with me and I got to a point where I just was, was more and more tired. I was like falling asleep <laughs> during the day right. and I just couldn't keep my eyes open. And then I tried to push through cause I thought maybe eventually my body will get used to this. So let me keep doing it. And it just didn't happen. It just kept getting worse. Um, yeah. And I just got to a point where I was like, this is just like, I can't do anything during the day because I'm just too tired. So I had to give up. Yeah. Yeah. For me, two things made me stop. One was I actually overslept one day. So that was pretty horrible. If you oversleep, it throws everything off. But another one was I got sick at one point and I just couldn't get better. And I could like I was having dreams while showering, oh, wow. which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> uh, theoretically, that doesn't normally happen to people. Right. And yeah, it was pretty insane. And I just went, I mean, the research says like our bodies do healing, not during REM. Healing and growth happens not during REM, but during deep sleep, which this schedule minimizes. So I don't know. There are some, there are some of these health hacks that work really well that are tested a lot and everything but even the people who know these crazy sleep cycles they'll tell you that you shouldn't do it if you're trying to gain weight you know working out a lot or anything like that so right. i'm not too into that anymore yeah yeah i guess it works for some people <laughs> yeah depending on what you're doing right right okay um so i'm interested like so what, what's your typical uh schedule like i know you said you're 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 big on mornings um what what kind of schedules do you typically keep throughout the day and what's your workflow after those three hours, let's see, basically, I still stay off of social media and email until 2 p.m. And so I spend a few more hours. I'll generally have a break between, let's say, 10 and 11 and, you know, get a second meal and maybe take a long walk and then come back, do any of my other work for the day that doesn't involve email, and then finally open the floodgates at 2 p.m., look at my... 50 Facebook notifications and empty my email inbox as quickly as I can. And then, and then in the evening, I always do some sort of relaxing activity to avoid burnout because I have to, if I work constantly, I know the whole time that at some point I'm just going to give up and start just, you know, this happened to me at one point. I, I had a breakdown. I'd been working too much and I just started being lazy and not doing anything all of a sudden. 
And I don't want that to happen. So I always have a, re- a reward for myself at the end of the day, some relaxing time. And then I always wake up the me- next morning. Well, I don't necessarily wake up with all the energy in the world, but I am motivated to get stuff done and to knock it out of the park because I had that, you know, leisure time last night and I'll have that leisure time tonight as well. Okay. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out or who's struggling with their business? They're trying to figure out what they really should focus on. What advice would you give them on how to learn uh, without wasting a whole lot of time and money and I guess find something that, that may be a viable business opportunity for them? More than anything else, make friendships, uh, you know, real genuine friendships, especially especially friendships with people who are maybe in a place that's similar to where you want to be, but, and this is key, this isn't what something something that people talk about a lot, but friendships where you know you can't really get anything back from them that's mm. business related. So, you know, in the first place, one thing that does for you is it's great practice for not expecting anything back, which theoretically, you know, we everybody says, uh, you know, have friendships where you shouldn't expect to get anything back. You should try to provide value first, they say. I say pursue friendships where you're trying to provide value exclusively, where you're only helping the other person or where you find the value that you find from those friends is just from moral support, not because you're doing anything related to their business. Mm-hmm. Those friendships, oddly enough, can end up being the most valuable friendships you have. Most of the people that I you know, even that I get on their podcasts or that I hang out with, you know, all these people that respect me that I, I, and I respect them, we're in completely different fields of business. We're not going to give each other clients, but we really respect each other and we help each other. And I think that that's a reward in and of itself and can only motivate you to further growth. Awesome. I like that answer. That's, that's really good. Uh, so I guess one, one last question I have for you. I don't want to take up too much of your time, uh, but do you have any tools that you use or apps that really help your productivity that you're, you use a lot? You know, I don't think that the tools so much as the principles are helpful. And again, my first podcast was a productivity podcast, so I've experimented a lot with tools and stuff. But my number one tactic is simply to, uh, to put my to-dos, any to-do I have, assign it to a day. And I do that in a spreadsheet, but you can do this any way you want. I assign that to a day. Then at the beginning of that day, after maybe the deep creative work, I take all of those actions that I want to get done for the day and get out a physical piece of paper and write down hour by hour when I'm going to do each thing that day. Don't put it in your calendar because you never know. And and I find that if I put things in my calendar, I begin not to take my calendar too seriously. But just at the beginning of the day itself, sit down and commit to doing task A before, you know, 11 a.m., task B before 1 p.m., and task C before I let myself off work for the day. And then I find that that motivates me and gives me short-term rewards when I'm able to check those things off and I've actually assigned them times. That's my number one productivity tool probably besides the early mornings, of course. Okay. Awesome. Well, Timothy, I I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, You provided some great value and uh, some really interesting insight into your business. Uh, So I wanted to ask you, uh, how can the Baller Circle learn more about you and, and learn more about your business? Of course. Well, thanks again for having me on. The best place to find me is probably SpanishInOneMonth.com. 
And from there, it'll give you my email address, and I read every single email I get and respond to them personally. Okay. So SpanishInOneMonth.com. SpanishInOneMonth.com. Perfect. All right, Timothy. Well, thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Don't miss out on next week's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. Check out the Internet Ballers blog at internetballers.co for more tips on how to accelerate your progress and expand your vision.